Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. Welcome back to The Build Plate. My name is Rainer, and I'm here with my other host, Asher. Yes, my name is Asher. Um, I'm not the firstborn in the family, but I am the best looking. My name is Asher. Again, it's Asher. Um, And I am a co-host to The Build Plate. Well, with that being said, and a great, warm, big, welcoming hug to our whole entire audience that joins in this week and every other week, I would like to get right into things and explain what the brain teaser was last week. Are you excited, man? Man, I've been, you know, ready. I've been actually really thinking about this for some time. So please tell me what this build plate is. And if you don't mind, can you go ahead and say it again just so I can kind of refresh my mind? Oh, I'll tell you what the build plate is, but I think what you meant is tell me what the brain teaser is. Yeah, so that is what I meant. Build (laughs) plate, brain brain teaser, same thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, so what is three-seventh chicken, two-thirds cat, and two-fourths goat? That was what the brain teaser was. And this has to do with the letters in each of those words that describe animals. So, for instance, chicken has seven letters. If you take the first three of seven letters, you get chi. Cat has three letters. If you take the first two of three letters, you get ka. And goat has four letters. If you take the first two of four letters, you get go. So if you put those three for chi and the two for ka and the two for go together, you get Chicago. So the answer is Chicago. Wow. The good old 847. <laughs> is that the area code for Chicago? How the hell? I think it's that? one of their area codes. I think it is. Yeah. Chicago area code 847. Is is Danielle from Chicago? Is that how you knew that? Yeah. she That's her area code. So I'm assuming that it's, you know, that's wow, Chicago that's area. That's impressive, man. I thought for a second there you were just like Elon Musk. Oh, I mean, I am. <laughs> Let's go with that one. I like that better. Are you watching uh, Saturday Night Live tonight? I don't have a way to watch it, uh, but I'll find some ways to get um, some some of those updates because uh, I'm definitely curious to see uh, what uh, Mr. Elon Musk says about Dogecoin. Again, just to remind our listeners, Rainer and I do love the Dogecoin. Dogecoin! We, we have some significant holdings, and uh, we're trying to, to see how high we can get Doge. So... Um, Elon Musk, who also loves Dogecoin, is going to be on SNL, and he said some tweets out there that he might talk about it, which would help it go up. So that's why yeah. I'm excited well, about I'm on SNL. my the edge of my seat with this one because uh, I, I watched the preview for the show. I think there was like two short clips, and oh, my God, it was so awkward. It was the so most you, awkward. So you were, we, we were right, though. It probably wasn't going to be very funny. Oh it's going to be awkward. It's, He's not going to be funny. Elon Musk is in a weird mask, and he's sitting there like some giant geek. He's like, Miley Cyrus is like, I wrote some new new music today. And Elon Musk is like, and I put a rocket into space. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) this is the stupidest commercial for This is going to be the worst SNL. I really do think it's going to be bad. I don't want it to be, but yeah, I think you're right about that. It's going to be kind of not hilarious at all. But, yeah, other than that, how's your week going? Uh, week's been great. Um, what I've been doing is I've been really working on uh, just uh, making fi- making some time for uh, me and Danielle, and it's been really busy. So uh, pretty much uh, anything that uh, I can do to kind of keep my my life relaxing, 
I would like to take this time, though, Rainer, because uh, we usually have a very, very special listener every single week. I am I'm certain that this special person listens every week, and I wanted to take the time to mention uh, our mother, because Mother's Day is tomorrow. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. In fact, I wanted to get that in there, too, because I actually spoke to Mom today for about an hour and a half on the phone, and she did tell me that she loves how our podcast is going, and she even was kind of secretly inquiring about uh, maybe possibly getting into the podcast game when they retire to the boat so that they can say they have a business on the boat. And I was like, Mom, that is one of the greatest ideas you ever did have. <laughs> you know what? She is so in- innovative and always uh, thinking about things and uh, definitely lucky to have such a great mother in our lives. So for you listeners, make sure that you uh, send your mom a hello, either it's a text or calling her, because uh, uh, they are so important in our lives. So, we're so, so Asher, what, what did you get, Mom, for Mother's Day? You know, what I've gotten her is um i'm not you know what i i got her what i got her yeah i'll go with that uh you broke up a little bit sorry about that uh audience but uh i i got her some flowers i actually sent her some flowers and some chocolates and she really liked them a lot so Uh, i mean i I asked her what she wanted if she wanted anything and she said that she just wanted to see danielle and i so oh uh, my gosh that is such a mom answer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm probably gonna go see her. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Tomorrow. That's really sweet. Okay, yeah, I I wish I could make that trip, but unfortunately, it's not gonna work out for for us to make it down there to see her. So, um, say hi to her for me. That would be great. Will do. Um, yeah, we just really like our mom on this podcast. So just so you, if you guys were curious, we just yeah, we love you, mom. Yeah, and it's kind of awesome doing a podcast podcast with your brother because you you never have your mom jokes (laughs) (laughs) that's 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 funny i'd write that one Uh, like a a one out of ten oh okay (laughs) i didn't know we were writing jokes now anyways uh i heard that you wanted to talk about some explosive things this week how about we jump right into it Rockets. We always talk about rockets on the podcast, but I got two stories to talk to you about podcasts. Uh, Rockets, (laughs) not podcasts. I got two stories to talk to you about rockets. All right, there. That sounds better. First of all, um, we've talked about this, but Jeff Bezos' company, Blue Origin, he released uh, a video uh, earlier this week, and it's like a minute-long video about him, like, basically driving in a pickup truck like this is so exciting isn't it this is so amazing but at the very end of it after we watched their blue origin land and all this other stuff there's a tagline and it basically says it's time and you can now sign up to buy your very first seat on the new origin new shepherd so they are going to be taking they're going to be taking customers and, and and people on their ships very soon that's exciting. What what kind of pickup truck was he driving? It wasn't a cyber truck, was it? <laughs> no, because <laughs> imagine if, since he's competing against Elon. Imagine if he was like driving a cyber truck in his and commercial. it broke down on purpose it, in his commercial. He's like, oh, look what Elon touches. Cyber truck breaks down in the middle of the desert. Can't even see my rocket land. Thanks, Elon. 
while you're on Saturday Night Live trying to make jokes, I'm actually landing rockets here. That's yeah. I mean, you got to tell me how those jokes were because I think they're going to be pretty bad. And then the other story uh, is that do you remember that um, Chinese rocket that went into a a week ago or a few weeks ago, and it didn't separate. I think it was uh, the second stage was supposed to separate, but it just kind of flew all the way into to low Earth low Earth orbit. Well, guess what? You about this? Yeah, it's going to be coming down. Actually, it's going to be. Hitting the Earth at some point in about two hours. Are you at serious? eleven? Do, yeah. do they do they know where it's gonna land? They have like um they have like basically a good idea, but they do not know exactly where it's gonna land. Do so you that's know? the thing is they if yeah, they don't. They have predictions. Well what so where, they have what like are they orbital lines. There's actually one going through the Midwest, so it could land burn up and, and crash into the you, you know the United States if possible but there's a lot more ocean than there is land so right. okay I, I think likely. the United States will blow it up won't they like shoot a shoot a missile at it to blow it up if it comes over us you know I I don't know I would like to think that they would have one of those uh, anti-rocket guns that like goes an ICBM <laughs> right <laughs> yeah what's it called an ICBM uh, missile or something that that just uh, shoots up and destroys, obliterates anything that enters our airspace. I think that if it would, if it were to, if they saw that it was going to come down on like one of the big cities, I would not doubt that the U.S. would implement one of those uh, strategies. But I think most likely it's going to land in the ocean. Do you think China's going to be fined for this? I mean, this sounds like a pretty bad mishap. I, how can you be? into rockets and have this big of a mistake. I mean, the U.S. has never had this happen, have they? I mean, their rockets I think it's – well, no, no. I, I, I think it's something that has happened to multiple countries and multiple uh, rocket, com- uh, rocket companies. Uh, so I think it just tends to happen. It happens once in a while, um, you know. And it's better – I think it's better that it, you know, didn't explode. I, I don't know if there was people in the rocket or not. So I'm glad the second stage didn't, you know, explode. Uh, if there were people involved, and I'm right, glad it just kind of floated up and yeah. came down. I just don't want anybody to get hurt when it falls back uncontrolled to space. I think um, that would be very sad for all parties involved. It's, I think it would be horrible if people were to, to get hurt because of the – they call it the Long March 5B. It's the largest <laughs> rocket <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like it's the largest rocket. In... Something else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they call it the Long March 5B, but yeah, it's very wow. powerful. Yeah, the Long March 5B. Wow, this sounds like it's definitely taking its long march back home to Earth. Well, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> You had nothing for that one, did you? <laughs> I uh, came up blank on that. I know, I could tell. Yeah, that's you know, you know what you have you told me earlier today and you were just pranking me. But you said that people have been talking about how much that we have been mentioning rockets on this podcast. And I think that if we mention it in another week, we might have to change our title of our podcast to aerodynamics podcast aerodynamics podcast uh or we could just name it the first stage 
or we could name something. it the thrust plate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do not. I do not want to name it that. That is a romcomboy.com name, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I kind of like it. Um, uh, what would you like uh, tonight? Uh, <laughs> um, I would prefer if we use the thrust plate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is wow. the worst name ever for a podcast. We're never ever going to name it that audience. Please just, Asher, sometimes I think your ideas are just out of this world, kind of like the rockets you talk about. <laughs> well, you know what else is kind of crazy and out of this world? They, and you're going to love this story, you can now convert your cell phone into a powerful detector for $50. Scientists a what, from Texas a what A&M. Kind of detector? A powerful chemical detector. Scientists from Texas A&M have developed an extension to an ordinary cell phone that turns it into uh, an instrument that's capable of detecting chemicals, drugs, biological molecules, and pathogens. Modern cell phones have these really high-quality cameras that are capable of detecting low levels of light and eliminating digital noise. So LiDAR. Yeah. uh, No, well, Uh, you could still use your camera. LiDAR, not so much. Well, maybe LiDAR. Yeah. Anything that you can use for a spectro- spectroscopy. Man, that's a big word for me. <laughs> um, it sounds like that thing you have to get when you turn 40 as a man. Oh, you mean like the, the anal probe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that sounded like. <laughs> Man, what, I, I, I wonder what, that, what that's called. I, I'm drawing up a blank. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um it's probably a, anyways a back to uh <laughs> I, I to just know it from... as uh it's called a uh, a cavity search <laughs> you know if we could stop talking about cavities i <laughs> oh you're a dentist that's right you don't like yeah it. i'm not a dentist, dentist. <laughs> you want to be a dentist that would be that would be ideal anyways uh back to this phone that can oh any actually any smartphone can be used to detect molecules such as actual dna rna uh anything that can basically have a, th- a fluorescent tag uh you can actually use um you can buy this really ex- inexpensive diode uh and use it as the light source and then if you orientate at certain right angles and you connect this contraption that has a diode laser, um, and it has a focusing lens with a scattered light collecting lens, and you even bring it through a transmission grading spe- spectroscope that you can buy off of Amazon. You can actually use it to spot DNA from with your actual camera, and this is pretty cool. Um, there isn't really any certain advances that you can use this for at this time, but. In the future, I could definitely see this being used as like a handheld device for maybe some chemists while they're out and about in the field. Maybe if they are doing, um, you know, water treatment specialists, they have to go out and test water samples. To be able to do that with your cell phone would be really cool and really beneficial. So right, I yeah, definitely see. I get that. It doesn't sound like it's necessarily a pocket application right now because you need to buy all the special stuff. Yeah, it's definitely not a pocket application, uh, but it's in it's in working. It's definitely created by another college. You know how I like talking about universities. Oh my gosh, not again! 
What university was this? University of Cell Phone? No, Texas A&M, which I think is... Are they the Aggies? Yeah, they are. Man, that's really aggravating. (laughs) That is is not a pocket application at this time. Nice. That was good. And then finally, um, I want to talk about one thing that uh, I think is fantastic. And this kind of reminds me of... You know, you and I, and actually pretty much all of uh, us kids with Legos, we were we were really building some really cool contraptions when we were younger, and oh, we really yeah. got into Lego Technic and and those mm-hmm. uh, all those other things. Well, in Illinois, a 12 year old boy, he said, you know what? Uh, he saw on the news that you know we were really kind of running low on some medical supplies, okay. and he used Legos to to design his own ventilator system. Wow. So it yep. pumps air into the the body? Is that what it is, pretty much? Yeah. He basically said, he's like, yeah, I saw a whole bunch of universities making respirator units that were cheaper and more affordable, and I wanted to make my own version uh, with a twist. And this time, the twist was a Lego piece. That's Anthony's voice. Wow, and, that was uh, a really good voice. Really yep. good voice. And good job, Anthony. I mean, we need more... 12-year-olds that know how to make respirators in this country. So way to go, Anthony. And it sounds like he's from Chicago, and that was the city of our uh, brain teaser. So coincidence? I think not. I don't think so either. I think this is actually a podcast that, you know what's crazy? Is that rocket could also potentially come down in Chicago. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Whoa, There's an whoa, orbital whoa, line whoa, that, that kind of goes. So you're, you're saying we're predicting we're predicting the future on our podcast. Oh, man. I, Let's, I'm not getting that far. Whoa, but whoa, I like whoa. where your mind's at. Okay, in that case, Dogecoin is going to go to $5 tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> man, please go to $5 tomorrow. Please. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I'm sure the audience is curious about the status of the project that I'm working on. This this uh, the the little Reddit snoo alien guy, and mm-hmm. um, I did post on the Facebook to different sections for everybody to look at. So as we talked about last week, I completed the head section, and mm-hmm. this week I completed the body above the belt line section. So that section included shirts, arms, and diamonds. And the biggest thing I learned this week was how to. Um, or maybe not how to, I already knew how to do this, but it was a more of a refinement on my skill of combining models to remove and cut out sections of a model in order to, uh, take, take out material and then leave the object where that I was using as a cutting tool as, uh, Basically, how I how I the best way I can explain this is and um, is that I used a diamond, so I just drew a diamond, and then I dragged it over the arm area, and then I used the combine function on my CAD program, and I just used the diamond as a tool, and I cut the shape of the diamond out of the arm, and then I just put an offset, then on that empty space that the diamond created. And then now when I print the diamond out, it fits perfectly into the arm because I used it as a cutting tool. So I thought that was a really cool um, kind of technique 
to making sure that the diamond would sit in the right place on the arms after That's genius. they were printed out. I mean, dare I say, that is almost award-winning 3D modeling and 3D printing. I Thank you, man. I, I really hope that the pictures I show uh, show that because uh, I will be posting a status up, update in the, in the form of pictures on the Facebook group page. And um, hopefully you guys all like it. And I really value your feedback if you think I could do something else. Um, I will say the stakeholder, the key stakeholder has bought off on this design. I communicated with him and I got just a one-liner back from him. Very quick one-liner. He said, Oh, classic. (laughs) He goes, he goes, imagine, you know, I know it doesn't bother you, but imagine like, you know what? You're like this really, really fantastic artist, right? And you were basically someone DM'd you. All right. And you're like, listen, I want to pay you $500,000 for this most intricately placed, uh, you know, a piece of art that you can do, but I want to be, you know, keep me updated on the process. And after weeks and weeks of putting in your blood, sweat, and tears, you send this amazing outline of your project to your buyer and you go, this is what I have. And all you get back, just imagine this, all you get back, all of your hard work is K, period. Not okay, (laughs) just K, Nothing else. Yeah, I mean, that, that would kind of suck. But thankfully, this uh, stakeholder is much more communicative than that, at least by about six words or seven words. So he does, he does say, <laughs> I really appreciate this work. Thank you for the update. And it gives me confidence to keep moving on, and I, I'm in the right track. So I've already started on phase three, section three, which is the body below the belt section. And this includes the belt, the pants, the shoe red styling, the shoe sole, and the shoe inner. And all that will be, once I'm done with that, we will have a full model. And that will be complete. So I'm on the third section, and I'm making good progress. And you guys should be able to see a picture relatively soon. Tomorrow after the episode drops, I will post a picture of this for you guys. And I just wanted to give you an update. I think it's interesting how much progress I make from week to week and a little bit of what I learned along the way. So, uh, so I want to ask you a question about 3d printing because I think that again, we have an amazing amount of support and listeners here and they really probably tune in a lot more, uh, for your 3d printing, uh, input and what you have to to talk about. And so I really, really want to talk about this really interesting aspect about 3d printing and i want to get your opinion on it okay Okay. are there any myths about 3d printing that you thought were true but come to find out were totally false once you got started into 3d printing myths that so preconceptions essentially about 3d printing that, that i thought um what were true, but then once I got into 3D printing and learned more about it, they weren't true. I think the biggest one that I had that I can disprove is that 3D printing, you can only make things that look good, and the things you make uh, most of the time can't be used for functional things. And the more and more I got into 3D printing, I found that you can, in fact, make tools. You can make things that things that uh, serve function 
And these these items can actually be used every day to do a task. And it it's not 3D printing is not just a gimmick hobby. It's something that you can use to make um, actual tools with. So whether that's creating a shape and then casting a mold around that shape and then making a bunch of shapes from that mold, that's an example right there. You could use a metal then in that case, or you could just 3D print it out of metal. I didn't really know there was as wide of a variety of plastics to use either. I thought, oh, it's, you know, it's PLA, ABS. I knew, I knew of those plastics, but I didn't know you could 3D print with wood, ceramics, clay, and I've been finding out more and more that these are all viable materials to 3D print with. And um, maybe that's why it's called additive manufacturing now and not really 3D printing as much because um, there's different methods of building up the layers with different materials. So um, that I, I would think that would be the biggest preconception I had about 3D printing. Then once I started 3D printing, I found you could, you know, make tools. And one of the, uh, I guess the biggest example of that was as soon as COVID hit this year, there was hundreds of people who jumped to the call to make face masks, mask holders, door handle grabbers so you didn't have to touch door handles. All these are functional tools. And, and yeah. hobbyists were making functional tools to help us get through the COVID-19 pandemic. So, yeah. It, it, did that kind of feel, you know, that community you were kind of part of, was that kind of almost a sense of, um, you know, kind of a sense of community where like, man, you know what, here's my community coming together, creating things that are actually, you know, functional and life-saving. So, I mean, to be honest with you, the very first thing I tried to print was a face mask. Um, but I did kind of get into the game. By the time I got into it, um, I was a little bit late to the party. I wasn't one of the pioneers or with the front runners who printed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of face mask holders or hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of face uh, mask, uh, like, uh, I guess, the, the, the ear protectors. I didn't do that. But I, I did make sure to take care of family. I believe I printed some for Tyne, who's a nurse. I, I printed her some ear savers and that type of thing. But yeah, just once I got into 3D printing and I started looking at the, the modeling sites and I was already tuned in with the, the I guess, the hobby to, to a certain extent before I got my first printer. So looking at that, I think that kind of is one of the factors that made me want to get a printer is the community that was there that was doing so much out of the goodness of their hearts for their local hospitals and um, essential workers, that, that kind of really made me want to jump into it. So, yeah. Now, so let's say that I've just heard your story on our podcast. And I think it's – I like kind of hearing uh, just that, that story and uh, basically what's behind it. And the, the 3D printing community sounds amazing. So I go and I want – to buy a 3D printer. How do I buy a 3D printer? I don't know oh. I don't know if we've touched on this before, but like how do I get there? What's the process? I, I really like that question. What I would encourage you to do is first determine what level of detail you're trying to print. So kind of in your brain say, "Hey, um, what what do I want to print? What am I most likely going to print? Do I want super high detail or do I not really care about detail?" but maybe I want a little bit more strength or something that's a little bit easier and less messy to deal with. 
And what I'm getting, getting at here is you need to figure out what type of 3D printer you want. Do you want a resin 3D printer or do you want an FDM 3D printer, one that uses filament like, like I have, right? Remember, we've talked several times in this podcast, there's different types of printers. So how would you do it? I would say first step is always research. You need to research what, what kind you want. And then after that, you need to figure out what your budget is within that realm. Um, so different 3D printers are going to cost you more money. Nowadays, 3D printers are getting less and less expensive. Um, I don't like to use the word cheap uh, because that's kind of a bad connotation with that word. But they're getting less and less expensive to the point where there's printers available within the laser sintering or the resin printer field and the FDM or the filament printing application uh, type of printers that are all within the price range of around $300 to $400, which is really incredible. So yeah, so research, figure out your budget, and then um, ask somebody who you know is in 3D printing. In this case, you could come to me and you could shoot me an email or ask me what my recommendations would be on either. I will tell you I am more of I'm more in tune with FDM type printers, so I would really be able to help you out with that and I would point you in the right direction depending on your budget for what 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 you're trying to do or achieve. Um, but yeah, you can go to Micro Center and you can Oh, see. Micro Center. Oh my god. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> my favorite did you store. go did you go there for your weekly coffee your weekly get together with your 3d printing buddies actually no this week I, I something was missing and i think it was that i was i wasn't able to go this week but i didn't really need to so i didn't i didn't force it but yeah basically you can what i'm getting at is you can either buy it online or you can go to a store and buy it and the only store i know of right now that sells them is uh best buy used to carry one or two but really you need to find a micro center and you need to go and, and, and pick one up there. They have some very good uh, starter printers for, for, um, for, for you if you want to start printing. Now, let's say that I now I've bought my 3D printer and I've listened to your advice. And I was super surprised to find one at Micro Center for 350 bucks. And very I have feasible. a decent, yeah, I have a, like a, a decent background in 3D modeling. Uh, oh, with, that's with good. CAD. You know how yeah. I feel about that. It's a sin to yeah. use other people's models. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, you should know how to 3D. <laughs> you should learn how to do CAD if you have a 3D printer. Mal, I'm okay. And back to my scenario, I'm learning how to do everything. In your opinion, since you've been doing this a while, which 3D models shouldn't be 3D, 3D printed? Like, is there something that you think universally 3D printer should stay away from? I'm not sure I'm following your question. Like, is there um, a model, is there a type of, of structure that comes up a lot that you think, you know what, we probably shouldn't try to print this object? I, I don't think I'm going to answer your question 100% to how you're asking it, but I will say your question made me think of, what I personally have been thinking more and more of as the biggest waste of time for new 3D printers to print, and that would be the Benchy. There's this little boat that everybody likes to print, and it's called the Benchy. And I think it's, quite frankly, a waste of time model, and there's too many of them out, out there. 
Um, I've personally never printed a Benchy, but uh, if you get a printer and you and you want to test your printer out, the biggest and most the, the most efficient way is just to print a small square, and that should tell you a lot about what's going on with your filament and and if your printer's set correctly. Um, again, you can then tune it uh, as it's printing, really, too. So let's say you're too hot, so you're getting too much stringing. You can just turn down the heat mid-print, and that should, that should help you out. But a lot of times, people like to print these, oh, uh, I guess they're called like a gauge that will tell you how good your printer is working. So people like to print a calibration cube, which is fine. That's a good one. It tells you if your printer is printing the same in the X, Y, and Z direction. And if you get a perfect cube or, or a near-perfect cube, then your printer is calibrated correctly. So that's something that I see working well. But the, the boat, the Benchy, just to me seems like a waste of time because a lot of people print it, and then they don't know why they printed the Benchy, and they end up going on on the 3D printing forms and saying, hey, is my Benchy good? Just got this printer. How's my Benchy look? What's wrong with my print now that I have this Benchy? So I guess it's just it's not explained well enough. There are some YouTube videos that try to explain it. It's just I don't think as beginners people should be printing Benchies. I think they should be printing more simpler models that will help them calibrate their machines. Okay. I think you answered the question to the nearest closest answer you can get to and i i think that i will say you know what five out of ten. Oh, oh man i love your ratings you're yeah. they're getting very yeah. nice nowadays like i remember the days i would i would get one out of tens and yeah i was very sad <laughs> um you run your own etsy shop which i know we talk about here and there and you know you do a Everywhere. really great job <laughs> yeah <clears throat> But, you know, your designs that you create are your own designs. And I was thinking about That's this right. the other day. How can you protect protect your 3D printing designs from being stolen? Is there a process that you have to go through? Well, that's a really good, um, I guess, question. What I would recommend for sure, if you're sharing your actual .stl, which is the data file for your 3D shape. So let's say I drew a square to make things simple and I put that shape in the 3D universe. So I put it on one of those websites that you can download shapes and stuff from. Um, then there's a couple things you can do. Uh, you can go to creativecommons.com and you can get a license for that shape, for that file. And then what that basically does is it basically tells people, hey, you can download this, you can use it for personal use. But the minute you start making money on this, you're overstepping the license that I have on this model. So then you could take a lawsuit against them if you saw them selling it on Etsy or selling it somewhere and making a profit off of it. Um, but that's not going to stop them from downloading it and then saying to a friend, hey, friend, I have this awesome square model <laughs> that I know you're just dying to have squares. Uh, I will print this for you if you pay me for just material cost, you know. So there's ways around it, and people will do that. So I would say if you're trying to make money off of something, you could go the nice route and just post it on one of those sites and hope that people tip you as a designer, which I think five times out of ten you will get a nice tip for your model. 
but I think the smartest thing to do is do not at this time, if you think you want to post that on your Etsy site as a product, a finished product that you're printing, don't put those files anywhere for people to access. The best thing to do would be to take what you have and print it out, assemble it, and sell it as a final product because then the most somebody can do is they can go against you with their CAD and their design software and they can then design something. But for instance, it's never going to be perfect. And we talked about that one guy who tried to rip off our rocket on Etsy. Remember the imposter? Yeah. We had an imposter. Yeah, we sure did the imposter. And his rocket isn't as good as ours because, you know, it's he did he's not as skilled with CAD now or computer aided design programming. Now, if this guy would have been equally as skilled as myself and Orv in terms of designing that rocket, then we would have been in competition more than what we already are. But right now, what I have and what we made in terms of that rocket, it's unique. It's going to take a lot for somebody to rip it off. And I'm very confident that right now I can be the only one that's selling this product. Um, and I would never give anybody the files for that right now. Okay. So I, I think the main takeaway from this is that basically if you are wanting to make money off of your 3D models, don't share the STL. Keep that to yourself. Be a little selfish mm -hmm. and then sell the final product. Right. And eventually there's going to be a tipping point where more people have 3D printers in their houses. And this is my opinion, by the way. I don't know if this is correct, but I'm, I'm guessing someday 3D printing is going to be so easily accessible that people are just going to have a 3D printer in their house. And that's going to be the day when you it's not going to be as profitable to keep your files to yourself. And instead, you're going to have to post these files onto a site. And you're going to have to make sure you sell the files then. And you're going to end up making more money on the files than you are printing the product and selling it. So that day hasn't come yet. There's not enough people that have printers right now that will allow selling the files to be more profitable than selling the product. But at some point, the scales are going to tip and the files are going to be more profitable than the product. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying that uh, in the future, um, there may be a possibility that your STL file could be worth more than it is right now in terms of you know, finishing up your final prod product. Right, exactly. Yep. The, the worth of my 3D file right now is probably like I could sell it most likely for maybe five bucks per download, which is still pretty good for not doing anything at all. But, I mean, I don't want to do that right now. I'd rather wait until it's worth more before selling the files. Have you seen, and I don't know if you have, but have you seen like someone make, you know, a lot of money off of like a... Uh, design per download like 50 plus bucks off a download oh yes there are there are designs um, out there uh, I think one of them is a, a filament a way to store filaments and it's from one of my good uh, favorite youtubers 3d printing nerd uh, he he basically designed 
and then showcased a spool holder um, kind of a rack system for storing uh, um, filament. And he then showcased it on his YouTube channel and then put the link in the description for people to download at a charge. And I'm sure he probably sold over 200, 300 of those at probably five or six dollars a piece. So you can make money on files. You just have to have, I guess, the right audience for it. And maybe sure. more exposure. Yeah. I think if I put the 3D printed rocket um, on one of these sites, I think I could make money off of it. But then again, I might be losing money as well because I'm not selling the actual product as much because somebody could be undercutting me if it's a friend and they're saying, oh, just pay me for the materials and I can get you this rocket because I paid for the file, you know. So that's the scenario right now I would like to prevent for the most part. And not to stick on this for too long, but I will say that there's a, another YouTuber. His name is um, Make Anything. And... This guy actually recently had a little bit of a spit spat with a Kickstarter campaign who stole one of his ideas that he showcased on his YouTube channels. And basically, he's not getting anything from it. But this Kickstarter campaign already got over $2 million in funding for one of his designs oh my God. that he showcased. And now they're saying, oh, uh, it's not your design, but it clearly is. And their development started at the same time he released his YouTube video and that type of thing. So it's out there. If you release your files and you give too much attention to it and it's a good idea, somebody's going to take it from you. So you got to be careful, guys. Don't put your files out there. Keep it on the down low if you want to sell just the product, and uh, you'll be fine. Man, you know what? This has been so informative. What a great, uh, what a great time learning about 3D printing. We learned about some benefits, some, you know, ways to protect our files, and some myths about 3D printing. I think what we're really looking forward to, and now at this point, is a, a new brain teaser. Oh, for next week. oh, yes, Asher. Thank you so much for those questions. And uh, for those of you who didn't catch on, that was my segment this week. One of them. Uh, because I said, hey, Asher, I think there's some questions out there that some people just might not understand or maybe they have to ask and, you know, you haven't really asked me that much about 3D printing. What do you have? Let's just ask some questions and see how I answer them. And I think it worked out great, Asher. We might even have to do this again. So um, thank you for those questions. But without further ado, let's get that brain teaser music in three, two, one. Thank you very much. My name is Asher, and I'm going to be giving you the brain teaser this week. It is which word and the which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly. That is which word in the dictionary is spelled incorrectly. If you get this answer, please contact the Build Plate Podcast at gmail.com, or go ahead and Facebook message us with uh, with Facebook groups <laughs> <laughs> i see where you're going with that we may have a page by the next time we drop a video so guys stay on the lookout for our new page that we're adding and please 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 just join it and participate in the new page changing a platform uh halfway through or a quarter way i guess through a season or a year it could be difficult so if you could please join our page as well as our group at this moment we would really appreciate that 
Alright, I think that was a great episode. Asher, thanks again as always for joining me. And uh, it was great. This podcast has been produced and edited by Asher and Rainer Brown.